are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're online with Lance Daw and Jackson Love on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope it's going well for everybody out there listening. A lot of Auburn athletics this weekend. Really excited. Basketball season's in full swing. We've got Auburn versus ULM tonight. We've got Auburn versus Mississippi State tomorrow. Really exciting weekend for the Tigers. We've also got uh, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com joining us today, as he normally does on Fridays. Christian, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing great, man. Today has been been racing by for me, and I've actually I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, it's been a relatively quick Friday so far. Really excited to talk some Auburn sports with you guys today, Jackson. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I've been looking forward to this all day. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, we're going we're going to do your favorite part of the week, uh, which is uh, right. some, some picks uh, later on in the show as well. But to start off the show today, we'll get to Auburn versus Mississippi State later. But Christian, you know me. Whenever we have you on, <laughs> I like to talk Auburn basketball. It's probably my favorite part of the week here on this show. We haven't gotten to get your thoughts on Auburn versus Moorhead State. What did you see from the Tigers against the Eagles on Tuesday? Yeah, so I saw, honestly, a completely different team from what I saw in the exhibition, which I kind of expected. I think if that exhibition doesn't happen, what we saw happen in the exhibition would have been what we saw in the Moorhead State game. Mm -hmm. Because the exhibition, they came out very slow. They looked sloppy. Just everything wasn't functioning well together. But... Against Moorhead State, it felt like everything was going really well. Right. Outside of that lull kind of in the second half where they let the foot off the pedal a little bit, which is something that they'll have to keep working on moving forward. And that's something that a younger team usually struggles with. But outside of that, they looked really good. Um, You got to see some of the different pieces. Wendell Green, I've talked about how electric he can be at times. You got to see that a little bit. Jared Harper. Jared Harper 2.0. Yep. You got to see Jabari Smith and some of the just raw skill that he has. I mean pulling up a three with a Moorhead State player in his face. You see Walker Kessler setting the tone down low in the paint. I mean, you really got to see some of the potential that this team has. So I thought it was a really good showing at uh, Auburn on Tuesday. The half-court offense obviously was was not up to snuff, I don't think, in the exhibition game. Now, did Auburn look terrible? By no means. But I definitely think we saw improvement uh, from the exhibition game to Moorhead State. We definitely saw things flow a little bit smoother. Yes, it definitely looked a lot better. Um, I think that's something that's just going to have to keep getting worked on throughout the season, and it's really going to help when Al Flanagan comes back. I think the one issue that this team really has, and it was still an issue against Moorhead State, and honestly it might still be an issue at the end of the season, is feeding the paint. I mean, they have seven foot one Walker Kessler. They have Dylan Cardwell that can play down low. Jabari Smith can play down low. Even Jalen Williams has expanded his post game a little bit. And with a lot of these kids, like in high school and AAU ball, they don't really learn to feed the paint. They don't do that as much. It's just kind of a lost art in the game now, I guess I would say. And these players don't know how to get the ball to Walker Kessler and some of these other guys down there quite as well. So that's something that I want to see them keep working on. And I know it's something that they're working on and trying to improve on as the season gets uh, going 
And that'll be something that'll really help out the half-court offense as well. Something that was talked about a lot in the offseason, it's, it's been somewhat of an issue, I think, for Bruce Pearl teams in the past, but I've really through these two games, have been excited to see the defense and how they've played. The intensity, I think, has certainly been there. For this team, it's a little bit different than Bruce Pearl teams in the past. It seems like whenever, back in the day, whenever Tigers weren't making their shots, they weren't really playing a whole lot of defense, or they weren't bringing the intensity, at least it felt like at times. This season, through two games, the exhibition and and the Moorhead State game, it feels like no matter what, what is going on on the offensive side of the floor, I mean, these guys are giving it their all, and I love the intensity from the guards, but like you mentioned, down low, Walker Kessler, Jalen Williams, Jabari Smith, Dylan Cardwell, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. There's the depth that Auburn has and how intense they play defense. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a team that prides itself on its defense, and it's a team that's going to win a lot of games off of its defense as well. Um, You mentioned it with the guards. I mean, good luck scoring when Zepp Jasper and Katie Johnson are out there. Those two, uh, the players called them pests. I think Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good way of saying it. Um, Katie Johnson is also very psychologically tuned out there. He will get in the other team's head very quickly. Um, he's going to have to be careful with that because I think there's a chance he could get teed up with some of the stuff I see him do. <laughs> but um, those two guys are really tough. And, I mean, imagine once you get Alan Flanagan back, having those three out there on defense. But then, like you mentioned it, if by some chance the other team is able to get past those guys, now you have seven foot one Walker Kessler patrolling the paint. I mean, we saw it against Moorhead State. He had five blocks against Moorhead State I want to say yeah yeah and he had six in the exhibition so it's like good luck man yeah it's hard to have more of an advantage than a seven foot one guy protecting your rim exactly he's like I noticed this in the game he's incredible about not falling for a pump fake a lot of big guys or just players in the game now will want to fall for a pump pump fake because they're so block tuned and they want to have that big play he will just sit and just sit on that shoulder of the offensive guy and then as soon as he goes up for the actual shot is once he reaches his arm out and goes for the block. He does not fall for pump fakes, which is really good for Auburn. Walker Kessler, I think, is an incredibly valuable piece for this Auburn team, both offensively and defensively. And I found myself multiple times watching the uh, Moorhead State game. He would make a play, and I would be like, that's what a five-star center does. That's what a seven-foot-one five-star center does. He cleans up on the offensive, uh, offensive glass. He will, he will get rebounds, and he is patient whenever things come to him defensively and like you mentioned he doesn't fall for pump flakes a lot and he is an incredible shot blocker it seems through two games now against better competition will we see him get five six blocks per contest (laughs) I don't think so but it's really nice to have him uh, as your interior guy not to mention Jalen Williams and Jabari could also be be factors inside as well it's just I, I love everything that I've seen out of this team so far and even the things that they have not done well I believe they're going to improve on because I think the talent is there and what has been Bruce Pearl's emphasis during his few years with Auburn just building that chemistry as the season goes on and in peaking at the right time and I think this team certainly has the opportunity to do so but they're playing a team this weekend that they will have the opportunity to kind of tune some things up against ULM lost by 62 points to LSU (laughs) on Tuesday they let Darius Days, who we thought was going to be somewhat of a preseason all-SEC type of guy, they let him uh, go off for 30 points and 8 of 9 shooting from behind the arc. I mean, Auburn, if they want to be offensively inefic- efficient in this game, I think they're going to have the opportunity to do so. 
Wow. Uh, I saw that the score was 90 to 31 at some point. I didn't realize it finished as a 62 point game. 101 to 39, I believe, was the final score. Oof. I might be wrong on that. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a game that Auburn, I can say really confidently, is going to win and it's going to be a good opportunity for them. Like I said, keep feeding the post. ULM, I've, I'll be honest, I haven't really looked at their roster. I'm sure they're not quite up to the same size that Auburn is. So this is a great opportunity to keep feeding the post, work on some of these other small things, get some of the outside guys involved, like you were talking about uh, LSU had a really good shooting day. So keep doing that for Auburn. I think this will be a great kind of tune-up game for them. Well, just to kind of give you an idea of what ULM is like, I write for LSU Wire, which is a USA Today site, and I got to to, to dive into the, the Warhawks just a little bit, just to give you some ideas of, of what they are going to let up is they are going to let up star performances they did it consistently last year and you saw with Darius Days in this opening game they just let him kind of do whatever he wants they did not play very good perimeter defense down low they they were struggling as well against LSU's size LSU's got a couple of big guys like like Efton Reed and Tari Eason who were who were playing phenomenal uh, on the interior so offensively I think Auburn's going to be able to do just a lot of different things uh, against ULM, and then also ULM turned the ball over 25 times Ooh. against LSU. Oh, wow! If they do that against Auburn, it could be it could be hovering like around a 40 point win or something crazy like that. I mean, this is not this is not a good ULM team. They are not necessarily experienced. They really did not shoot the ball well last season. They only shot 27 percent from the floor against LSU. This uh, this is going to be an opportunity for Auburn to just kind of. Take things light, I feel like, and just try and learn more about themselves and try and tinker on some things that could be issues down the road. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a game where I'd like to see Auburn just flat out dominate the whole game. They're clearly better by a lot, so I don't want to see them come out slow. I don't want to see them let off the gas a little bit in the second half. I want to see them just set the tone early and keep it going the entire game. I don't really want to ever see them let off. Something that I want to see then tonight is, and you can tell me, Christian, if you noticed this too or thought it was significant. I thought during uh, Moorhead State game, specifically in the second half, the defense did great stopping Moorhead State from shooting, of course, but gave them a lot of second-chance attempts. Mm -hmm. Moorhead State, it seemed like, to me, got a lot of offensive rebounds, and they ended up out-rebounding Auburn, actually, in the game. Did Did you notice that? Do you think that was significant? Yeah, I think that was a little bit of an issue. Um, and one of the other issues, too, that I would point out and that Bruce talked a little bit about is they're getting these blocks, but they're not chasing them down. Like right. they'll get a block They're not getting then, the ball off the block. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that they're just going to have to keep working on. And I think they'll get better yeah, at it. Yeah, and it's but. just one game. So like by no means reaching for any sort of panic button. It was just something I was like, wow, okay, they stopped it. They should probably have the ball, but they didn't. And Moorhead yeah. State was able to get another shot up against – higher caliber competition that just is something that would that would be not be good yes i yeah i i agree i think that the the rebounding for auburn with given their size uh is going to is going to need to improve i know it's only been one game but i'd like to see the uh the intensity pick up uh on on the offensive glass because because uh nine offensive rebounds against Moorhead State, you would like to think that that number goes up a little bit against ULM. It's just, again, little things that you can tinker with and improve on, and that is certainly one of them. Brady, you had something you wanted to add? Yeah, they have three guys that are over 6'8", and two of them are international players, one from Georgia and one from Australia. 
So, so they're not a very tall team. No. So if they get off of offensive rebounds on Auburn, we could be <laughs> we could be like, whoa, okay, let's bump the brakes. And this is something that was uh, not necessarily like frustrating about last year's team. It was just a little confusing. Auburn was one of the tallest teams in the nation last season, one of the best shot blocking teams, but they statistically struggled to guard layups and different things like that. And so I just wonder if that could potentially be an issue again this year's with with this team. We're significantly taller, I feel like, on the inside now, as opposed to where we were last season. We were really tall then. Do we see potentially Auburn continue to struggle in that area, or do guys like Walker Kessler provide so much of an impact that we start to see some of that two-point percentage go down? Uh, I think they'll still... I think they'll be able to figure it out and figure the situation out a little bit. Um, I think a lot of from the Moorhead State game, there were just some unfortunate bounces too. From what I, I was able to see, the ball just kind of went away from Walker. Um, mm-hmm. So there's just a couple small things left to tune up, but I think they'll be okay on the offensive rebounding and just rebounding in general moving forward. Should we expect to see after a solid exhibition game from Zeb Jasper? and a, a, a one-point performance against Moorhead State where he got in a little bit of foul trouble. Should we expect to see a bounce-back game from Jasper against uh, what is not a, a very good ULM squad? Yeah, I think Zepp will be able to do a little bit better, and I think part of his Moorhead State performance came from Wendell just being so hot and kind of feeding the hot hand at point guard there a little bit. And also, like you mentioned, the foul trouble. Bruce said it kind of got in his head early a little bit, and it kind of forced him to adjust how he wanted to play and maybe made him a little skittish yeah and maybe just didn't take shots then as a result yeah yeah so he just kind of switched up his game a little bit and that's something that he's a veteran player I don't think that's going to happen too often but in a season opener it's understandable how it would happen so I think he'll be fine Alan Flanagan obviously still out until mid-December Auburn's going to have some interesting non-conference matchups to play before they get him back potentially how do you see this team operating without Flanagan down the line, and will it become a significant detriment whenever Auburn matches up against teams like St. Louis and UConn in this non-conference stretch, or do you think Auburn is going to still be able to handle business without him? You know, I think they'll be able to handle business for the most part, but I do think they're going to trip up here and there. Um, you look at a trip next week that they have to USF, I don't think USF is all that special necessarily, but... It's going to be an away game, something that they're going to have to be dealing with for the first time. And for whatever reason, it just has kind of a UCF feel to me, like it was the game last year where I think we all remember just that disaster of a performance it that was ugly. put up at UCF. Um, so that's possible next week. Um, you mentioned it, St. Louis, and then you've got the battle for Atlantis, which will obviously be really tough. But mm-hmm. I've been pleasantly surprised by Devin Cambridge's performance so far. I think he's stepped up in that starting lineup. He hasn't just jacked up a ton of shots. He's taken good shots, but not a ton of shots, which is, I think, a good role for him. He's played a little bit better defense, and he hustles out there and gets a decent amount of rebounds, actually. So if Devin Cambridge can sustain this level of performance and be just pretty good out there, he doesn't have to be amazing. He doesn't have to be the star. They've just kind of got him in that role where, hey, just just do some little things right, take a good shot every now and then and we'll be good, and that's all we really need out of you. And I think that's what Devin's done so far. So I think that's been good. And if he can continue to do that, I think they'll be able to not cruise through non-conference play, but they'll be pretty solid overall and be ready for Allen to return. One more question here before we get to break. Wendell Green Jr., obviously the offensive star of the show against Moorhead State, 19 points. He had played Moorhead State three times prior, and in every single matchup, 
he got better and better from the floor. He shot 4 of 16 his first matchup, 9 of 16 his second, and 12 of 20 in his third. And then we got to see him uh, explode for 19 points against the Eagles this, uh, this, this, uh, this past Tuesday against ULM. I think Auburn's numbers overall are going to be a little inflated based on the the talent that they're playing against. Mm-hmm. But you, I believe, were the one that mentions this us to the, it, you were the one that mentioned this to us during the off season. Is that Wendell will have those type of nights, and then he will have the type of nights where he's like two two of nine from the field, and he's really struggling. Should we expect Wendell in this game to continue statistically what he was doing last week or on, on Tuesday simply because of the talent that he's playing against? Or do you think that we'll, we will see him kind of go up and down and kind of get into shooting slumps? Yeah, so I certainly think that's a possibility, but I would lean more towards it's going to be another, I don't know if it'll be 19 points, but I think it'll be a pretty solid performance out of Wendell just because of the level of talent that UL Monroe has. I just don't think they're going to be able to really keep up with them. The big thing for me that I've seen throughout uh, the exhibition and scrimmages and practice and other things like that is when there's a guy that is really able to get in his head and really get him off his game, Wendell is just out of it. So once we get like battle for Atlantis or towards SEC play and he's facing some really top level guards, that's where I'm really going to be looking out to see, okay, how does Wendell respond? Uh, Maybe he has a tough game against LSU or something like that. How does he respond in the next game against another SEC guard? What's he able right. to do? But I don't think that'll be a huge issue throughout all of non-conference play. He probably will have some nights where he doesn't shoot the ball all that well, but I don't think it's going to throw him off his game quite as much as I have seen that happen before where he'll start making a couple sloppy passes or some other stuff like that. But right. I think he'll be okay against uh, UL Monroe tonight. Actually, one more question before we get to break, and I'll ask you and Jackson. The line for this game, uh, Auburn is favored by 25.5 points. Do they cover? Yeah, I think so, because I think that ULM is going to be substantially worse than Moorhead State, and Auburn beat Moorhead State by 23, in large part really to just, like Christian's been saying, kind of a lackluster second half that kind of, it's not checked out, but just didn't bring the same intensity in the second half, and that was the only reason that Moorhead State was able to get it as close as it was. So, yeah, I think Auburn covers. Yeah, I would say that they probably cover. Um, my only concern would be if this team were to come out slow tonight. Um, I don't. I definitely That's don't true. think they're going to lose the game, but I could see a situation where they come out just a little slow, playing down a little bit in terms of playing down to ULM's talent. Um, yeah. But I don't really expect that to happen. That's not something that I feel like Bruce would allow to happen necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll be okay, and I think they'll be able to cover. I think that a 20-point win at minimum for me is what I'm looking at. And I know that kind of sounds arrogant, I guess, to expect for that for my team. But after seeing what LSU did to them and knowing the talent that Auburn has on roster, they should win this game. At least I believe so. Who knows? They may start out slow, like I mentioned, and it could end up being a little closer than that. And uh, fans that are close to the program could be a little disgruntled, but at the end of the day, I think the fact that Auburn gets a win tonight is big, and just continuing to build that chemistry is really important. Let's take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to start talking about Auburn's game against Mississippi State tomorrow. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Lance Dahl, Jackson Love here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
If you want to call into the show, 334-321-1390 is the number to dial, or you can text us at 334-564-1840. Really pleased to be joined by Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com to talk a little Auburn basketball. Want to switch the conversation over to football now. Auburn taking on Mississippi State this weekend, coming off of what was a relatively disappointing loss in College Station. Auburn lost to Texas A&M for the first time ever actually on the road trying to get back on track against the Bulldogs this weekend. Christian, what are you looking for offensively for Auburn in this game? Obviously, they've not scored. The Tigers haven't scored a touchdown in the past six quarters. What do they need to do to get things going against Mississippi State? Yeah, well, I mean, the going into the Texas A&M game, I think I might have discounted the second half of the Ole Miss game maybe a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. I kind of viewed that as, oh, the game shifted. You know, the first half of the Ole Miss game was kind of a shootout, and then it was a defensive slugfest in the second half. Like, oh, Auburn's offense will be okay. That was just how the game flowed. And then watching the AM game, it was like, well, maybe that's not the case. Maybe this offense became stagnant. Something changed. Something went wrong here a little bit in the Ole Miss game, and it's now carried over into Texas A&M. So I need to see this team come out and look totally different on offense. I mean – looking back, watching the Texas A&M game again, and then I went and rewatched the second half of the Ole Miss game. I mean, this offense has just not been very good recently, like at all. They haven't been able to run the ball really too well at all. They've lacked explosive plays on offense, which has kind of been a theme all season, but they really lacked it against Texas A&M. I mean, the biggest catch was like 15 yards to Luke Deal, so they need to get something going on offense. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know if it's going to be in the pass play. I don't know if it's going to be in running. I don't think it's going to be in running because Mississippi State is a pretty good run defense team, but they need to get something going on offense, and they need to do it quickly because I think this will be a relatively high-scoring game. I've heard different sides of this conversation, talking about Auburn's offense and the struggles, and I've heard some people say that it's Mike Bobo and it's the play calling and that's been the issue, and I've heard some people say that it's the execution and that there are a lot of different players for Auburn not executing the plays that Mike Bobo's uh, put out there, and there have been opportunities that Auburn has just simply squandered because they didn't execute, even though the play call was right. I want to ask you and Jackson, what do y'all think about this Auburn offense right now? Is it Mike Bobo's issue? Is it Bo Nix's issue? Is it the receiver's issue? Is it a combination of both? I also want to point out, some people have been frustrated with the offensive line, and yes, Nix was pressured a little bit against Texas A&M, but according to PFF, it was their best pass-blocking grade of the entire season. So Really? It was, which is surprising to me. See, I like PFF, but I disagree I don't, with that. I don't see how that's possible. Yeah. So, so they might have the best grade, but... There were certain times where the execution was not there. So I think that, you know, there, there are different sides to this argument. I want to ask you, Jackson, first, what do you think? Was it execution? Is it play calling? Or is it maybe a mix, mix of both? I think it's a little bit of a mix of both. I, th- I think the biggest glaring issue is the talent issue. I don't think it's any secret that Auburn is at a, a disadvantage in terms of talent, especially along the offensive line. I, but I, I think with that in mind, I do think the cross to bear is kind of on Mike Bobo there just because if you have less talent, you have to be able to scheme those guys into into situations where they can win, even though they may not necessarily have the talent to match up with the other with the other side. So I'm going to go with the um, with Bobo and they just need to execute better and yep. make use of their playmakers because they they do have playmakers. I, I will not, I'm not saying that Auburn is not a good football team. There are lots of pieces on this team that are extremely talented. Tank Bigsby for one. They've got they've got to put these guys in situations that they can execute. 
Yeah, so I'm going to agree there and say it falls on both. I think it falls on literally everybody on offense. I think the play calling got too conservative against Texas A&M. I don't think the play calling was all that great for most of the game. But then there was some good points. Uh, the the attempted flea flicker that Nick's fumbled and was able to recover before the scoop and score. John Samuel Shanker was wide open down the field, and they would have had probably a 40-plus yard play on that. And Nick's just failed to catch the ball. And it led to a near fumble, and then there was a fumble on the next play because it kind of got in his head and he got rattled a little bit. I don't think the offensive line was all that good, despite what PFF graded them as. I mean, Nick's got sacked four times. That's a lot for a quarterback with his running ability. I think there were like six quarterback hurries as well. So I didn't think the offensive line was all that good. We've harped on the receivers all season long. And, I mean, against Texas A&M, the refs were letting the corners and the receivers play pretty physical, I would say. And that did not help them out at all. They weren't able to get separation. They weren't able to make plays. There were a couple drops out there again. And it, it just continued to show that this team doesn't have a number one wide receiver. And they honestly might not have a number two wide receiver either. I think Kobe Hudson is the best receiver on this team. But I think on most teams, he should be a number three wide receiver. Yep. And then even the running backs as well. Um, I mean, there were a, there was one play where there was just a massive hole that the offensive line had created. And Tank just ran into his offensive lineman. He missed the hole, ran into his offensive lineman, and missed a big play. So, I, I mean, I think it falls on everybody. I think they're all – the players are failing to execute in different areas. And I think the play calling, for the most part, has also not been great out of Mike Bobo recently. And I've given Mike Bobo a ton of credit. That four-game stretch where Knicks played really well, I think a lot of that should be credited to Mike Bobo. He was calling up a ton of different plays that were really good. He was using Knicks' advantages um, very well and getting him in good situations where Bo was able to play a little bit better. But against AM, there just was not a great strategy out there. So I think it kind of falls on everybody. I think that it definitely is a mix of both. And the reason that I, that I bring up the PFF numbers is I've seen some people use that as an argument to say, oh, well, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the offensive line's fault. It's not a it's not a mix of everything. It's it's on the quarterback. And I've seen that argument out there saying that Bo Nix was not playing uh, to to the ability that he could have on Saturday. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just think that it was every single player on offense not executing to their their fullest ability. And also, I think you made a really good point there. Both of y'all did talking about Mike Bobo also being incredibly conservative. And then like you mentioned, Jackson, if he knows that Auburn is struggling and he knows that they don't necessarily have the receiver talent to hit different bombs and things like that and stretch it downfield, not necessarily play conservative, but scheme it to where these guys are making plays. You understand this offense better than anybody else in the country as the OC. You should know how to get these guys open. Mm -hmm. I guess at the end of the day, if they don't execute that, then they don't execute and then it falls on the players. But I think that Auburn still has a lot of talent on their team. Like you mentioned, guys like Tank Bigsby. Bo Nix is still a former five-star quarterback. They've got some young guys in the receiver room, and then they've also got five stars that are playing in their 70th year, like Demetrius Robertson. So I think that it falls on a lot of different guys and at the end of the day, I agree with you, Christian. They just got to get something going against Mississippi State. And I think they will, especially given the fact that it's at home. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to continue to preview this Auburn versus Mississippi State matchup. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. 
Back on On the Line, Lance Daw, Jackson Love here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. So we were talking about Auburn's offense and just the different struggles that they've had and just the, simply the fact that they are going to have to do something against Mississippi State to kind of revamp things because you look down the line and I know that Auburn wants to take this as a 1-0 type of thing every single week, but you got South Carolina coming in. And they actually have talent, I think, on the defensive line. Now, overall, are they a really talented team? No. But in a road environment like that at night, if Auburn is not able to consistently keep the pressure away from Bo Nix, I mean, there could, be, there could be times where he struggles. We saw that last season. And then you've got Alabama coming to town two or three weeks from now, and that is a game where you're going to have to have your best offensive game plan in order to keep up with the tide because they have some guys on offense that can score some points. And I know that they're not as good as they have been in seasons past, but right now there there is a lot of emphasis, and I believe there should be, on working some things out on the offensive side of the ball. And look, not everybody is going to score a ton of points against defenses like Texas A&M, but I think there was there were there were opportunities that were left on the field Whenever you look at the field position that Auburn had several times in the first half, you look at the couple of potential touchdowns that were just it, it, where Auburn didn't execute, and then you think about the conservative play calling and, and not running the ball, I feel like as much as Auburn could have, Anders Carlson missing a crucial field goal and what I thought was easily just the, the turning point of the game. Yeah. Because and let's talk about Auburn's running game here for a second. And Christian, if you disagree with here, let me know. So Auburn, up until that point, had not been running the ball a ton, and Noah on earlier in the week has had broke down the run pass splits. It was even on first down, and it was it was slanted towards throwing the ball on second down. So Auburn was not running the ball a whole lot, and they were not having a whole lot of success in the passing game either. And you can see that in Bo Nix's final stat line, they were just being really conservative throwing the football, and that was just not working against A and M. If Anders makes that field goal, it's six to three, and let's say A and M ties it like they or, and it kicks a field goal on their next position, like I believe they did. Or if Auburn gets a stop, they can then go to Tank Bigsby, who I believe only had 15 carries, and they can start running the ball a little bit with more more with him. He had four four and a half yards a carry essentially. If Anders makes that field goal, Auburn can slow the game down. They can run the ball. And they can play keep away, and they can just kind of run that clock out because at the end of the day, Auburn's defense knows, look, Calzada ain't scoring a touchdown on us. And so let's just go out there and let's continue to run the ball and let's just kind of get this thing, you know, let's, let's wrap this thing up. I think Auburn this season, I really appreciate the balance that they've had on offense. They're, they're in the top half in passing yards per game in the SEC right now. They're averaging like 243, which is good for an offense that doesn't have a lot of receivers. That's really good. But I think, and this might be this might be stupid to some fans out there who are just trying trying to see this team get away from Gus Malzahn as far as possible. But I feel like they should be running Tank Bigsby just a little bit more. Is it a health issue? Is it a touches for everyone else issue? Is it just Auburn doesn't feel like they've got the dudes to run Tank Bigsby? What do you think the issue is? Why is Auburn not running Tank Bigsby more often? You know, I don't really know what the issue is. I don't think it's a health issue. He dealt with a little bit of just being banged up earlier in the season, but he's he's healthy from that. I mean, we saw it against Ole Miss where he ran the ball really well. He's good um, in terms of health, and he's obviously a good player. We all know what he's capable of, but I think some of the issue falls on the run blocking a little bit. This is a unit that last year they were – really good in run blocking and they couldn't really pass block. I would say that kind of flipped this year in terms of they're 
decent at pass pro, but mm-hmm. they struggle to run block. I think some of that comes from the schemes um, that they're running, and they're running some different plays a little bit, and this offensive line struggles with that a little bit more compared to last year's running schemes. But this is still a team that, I mean, you have Tank Bigsby, you have Jarquez Hunter. I don't understand how it's been so difficult for them to get the running game going as of recently. I I can't think of an Auburn team that has this much talent with two running backs and even three with Sean Shivers and just fails to establish the run just game after game, really. Uh, outside of the old Miss game where Tank played really well, I mean, they have not run the ball well at all in however many weeks it is now. Since at least Penn State, yeah. I think. Yeah. How much of this comes back to recruiting? Uh, I mean, I on think, the offensive line, I think a lot of it probably does. I mean, this is as we're approaching signing day now. Um, talking with some sources close to the team and stuff like that, they're looking at previous recruiting classes and they're like, "What happened? Did they just forget the offensive line existed? Like, mm-hmm. what happened in these Seems recruiting like classes?" <laughs> yeah, I mean the one that was specifically pointed out to me was the 2018 recruiting class, the Joey Gatewood class. Mm-hmm. It's like, none of these kids are here anymore. None what happened? Them. Yeah. Like what went wrong? And I mean, you look at offensive line, just talk about a disaster. This, this staff was not left with a lot there. So they're trying to solve that in this recruiting class, um, which actually will be interesting this weekend. Cause Malik Ogba will be here and we can talk about that a little more if you want, but that's, that's an issue that they really have to fix. And, Unfortunately for this staff, the offensive line is an issue that takes multiple years to fix. It's not like receivers where I think you could go out and get some impact freshmen and an impact player out of the transfer portal, and all of a sudden the room looks totally different next year. And they're a lot better. The offensive line is just going to take some time. Well, that's what I, I, was, I wanted to ask you. Right now with the offensive line, I think that recruiting is going to be a really big emphasis down the road. So tell me some of the guys that Auburn's potentially looking at right now. And then, like you mentioned, how how long should Auburn fans expect to wait before they become not necessarily dominant in the trenches, but they can hold their own against some of these teams like Texas A&M? Should we expect three, four, five years before it truly gets to that point? I mean, I think it's probably going to be a, be about three to four years, yeah. So they have Eston Harris committed. They have Drew Bobo committed. Let's say they're able to get Malik Ogbo, um, which I think Auburn has a decent chance of doing. There's probably the three younger offensive high school offensive linemen that they would try and bring in in this class. And then they do want to bring in at least one guy through the transfer portal. So then you have those guys. You're probably going to have a decent amount of players on this team that are going to be gone next year. Um, I think Austin Troxel will be gone. Brandon Council will be gone. Nick Brahms will likely be gone. And Brodarius Hamill will likely be gone. So you might be looking at a situation where you only have Keandre Jones returning. There is a chance that Alec Jackson and Tayshawn Manning could come back, um, and those could be guys that could slot in at left guard and stuff like that. But there's going to be a lot of talent. Well, not necessarily talent. I don't think these guys are the most talented players in the world. But there's going to be a lot of players yeah. that are going to be leaving along the offensive line. So this is going to be a room that looks different next year. But they do have some younger guys that I think they're going to be able to build up and could be decent for next year. Um, Colby Smith, the freshman offensive tackle who came in this year, I've heard some good things about him and what he's been able to do in the weight room recently. You look at Killian Zaire, who has looked, I would say, pretty solid out there in the times that he's come in. So you get him in a full-time starting role, he could be decent. So they still have some pieces, but in terms of a complete overhaul 
and how dominant the offensive line is going to be able to be down in the trenches, I think that's a three-year program at least because you have to recruit the guys and then you have to develop the guys and get them ready. So it's going to be a little bit. Before I say this, I just want to say that by no means do I think Auburn's offense has been elite or even really good so far this season, especially in SEC play. But for Auburn to be putting up statistically in terms of yardage, the number that numbers that they are with the the lack of talent in certain areas, the lack of experience in certain areas, and the fact that this is a new coaching staff and a new scheme and they fired their receivers coach like f- three or four weeks into the season, the fact that they are putting up 243 passing yards per game, almost 190 rushing yards per game, with, with all the things that are going against them, I think is really promising. And a lot of this success that Auburn could potentially have down the road a lot of it does come back for me to can they get guys on the offensive line because Auburn can get skilled position players. They're going to be able to pick up those recruits, I believe, down the road. I think Brian Harson and this coaching staff are going to be able to do that. It's just can they do what this previous coaching staff didn't do, which is really evaluate the trenches and go after guys that are going to make this team better because you cannot run your offense without guys that can block for you, both pass blocking and run blocking. And that was evident, I believe, in the Texas A&M game. It's not all about talent, but I think it's going to be really important that if Auburn wants to ascend to the level of A&M, Alabama, Georgia, they're going to have to get those guys, uh, both uh, in the recruiting cycles and in the transfer portal, I believe. Jackson, what are your thoughts about the offense right now? I, I think it speaks to the coaching staff. Because, like you said, they're definitely not elite, but I I do think there have been flashes in there that I didn't think that I saw last season. So mm-hmm. I am pleased with that, but it's just it's just going to take time. I mean, I am still scratching my head over the whole run game situation because I believe that Tank Bigsby is one of, if not the best running back in the SEC. I I think he showed that last season. So I'm not sure about that. I just I think just to kind of echo what Christian was saying for the last several minutes, it's just going to take time, but the pieces are there. The flashes have been there. You can see the potential. It's a matter of making that potential happen on every play instead of every fifth play or every Mm -hmm. 10th play. Yeah. I think they've built a pretty solid foundation so far this year. We've been able to see what they can do, even with the kind of lack of talent that they have in certain areas. I mean, I think next year's team is going to look totally different and not all of that is going to be because the coaching staff wants it to be. I mean, guys will leave through the transfer portal. Guys will go to the draft and stuff like that. But especially on offense, I mean, I think the wide receiver room is going to be totally transformed. I think the offensive line, mostly because guys will be leaving for the draft and graduating and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think the offensive line will look totally different. So it'll be interesting to see what next year's team looks like with some more of these, this coaching staff's kind of players that they want yeah. compared to some of the leftovers from the previous staff. And you talked about talent on the offensive line a little bit. I want to say it was like, I don't remember who it was, but I saw someone on Twitter say it's about Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. Yep. And, I mean, I think that's the case for the offensive line. They just need to get four stars, five stars. They need to just go get some guys out there. I don't know where they're going to get them, but – I, I think it's going to happen the longer this staff is here. They just need time to build relationships yeah. with coaches because a lot of the guys on the staff that are out recruiting don't have those relationships. Right. Yeah. For me right now, although this might sound dumb, a lot of this for me is, is trying to outlast how long Saban is here 
because I think if his coaching <laughs> staff is still here, whenever he retires, Auburn will have put themselves in a very good position, I feel like, to not necessarily control the SEC West, but to, and not necessarily replace Alabama, but to finally get to that point where Auburn fans have wanted it to be, which is be in con- very much so in contention every single year. It's just a window. It's- right. It's just, I think that, the, the like you mentioned, the foundation is here, and it's just going to take take some years for for this coaching staff I think to really build this program up to where Auburn fans want it it's just I know there's something that we've we've said a lot on this show and it, it kind of gets old but just reiterating how much patience I think we need to have if we want to have success uh, down the road let's go ahead and take a quick break and on the other side we're going to continue to preview Auburn versus Mississippi State talk about what the defense is going to do in this game for the Tigers and then we'll maybe make a couple more picks you're listening to Auburn on the line Wrapping up our number one of the Friday edition of On the Line, Lance Daw, Jackson Love here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Intern Belichick at the controls today, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com here with us. Before we get to our picks, I want to to ask you, and I know this kind of sounds dumb because uh, this, this is a sports show. Did you listen to Taylor Swift's uh, re- remake of Red? No, I did not. You did I'm not. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Ah, I enjoy some of like probably her most popular songs, mm-hmm. but I don't. I'm not a diehard Taylor Swift fan like some people. <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily a diehard uh, Swift fan either. But the 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 Red album specifically for me uh, is a, there's a lot of nostalgia for for me with that album. Uh, just just going back to my childhood, and I just I, I, it's one of my favorite albums. Even though I don't really care about Taylor Swift, like in general, I really liked that album. So the fact that she was re-releasing it, I was like, yeah, I'll listen to it. I've already listened to it twice now, all the way through. So yeah. I, I, the word on the street is that it was pretty good. Jackson, you yeah. also really yeah, it is it as pretty well. solid. Uh, like like you guys, I mean, I've never really been a Taylor Swift fan for really for until probably about a year ago or so. Uh, I really did start listening to more uh, more than just, you know, the mainstays on the radio, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I was I was definitely looking forward to uh, this one releasing. I stayed up for about an hour after it came out just listening to some of it, and then I went to sleep and got bu- back up and finished the album this morning. It was pretty good. I was impressed. I will say, overall, as an artist, I feel like I'm biased in a way in the way that I view her because... One of her producers, Jack Antonoff, I'm a huge fan of. He's a fantastic producer, really good artist. And so whenever I see that she comes out with something and he produced it, I'm like, well, I'm going to like this whether or not I've listened to it yet. So anyway, let's go ahead and get to into uh, some of our Saturday selections here, starting off uh, with some picks in the ACC. Want to start off here with Saturday selections. Belichick. 0 for 2, man, today. All right, NC State at Wake Forest. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Wake Forest coming off a loss to UNC, which was weirdly an out-of-conference game. I don't know how they did that, but... Wait, wait. it's listed as a non-conference game? Last week, whenever North Carolina and uh, and Wake Forest okay, played, so it was I a know, non-conference game. I remember seeing how they did that. Maybe they're doing it more often now. It was two or three years ago where they scheduled it as a... And technically an out-of-conference game that doesn't count towards the standings, but they wanted to play UNC more. I can't remember the exact reasoning for it. Just a just a, a weird thing to put 
in the middle of what has been a... I think it's because there's a, there's a bit of a rivalry thing there, and they don't really uh, get to play as often as they would like to since they're in opposite divisions. Well, right? this... Yeah, well, this... Yeah, they are in opposite divisions. ...is a conference game, and this could potentially be for the ACC Atlantic. Right now, Wake Forest 5-0 and still in conference play. NC State 4-1. and Wake Forest favored by two points. Jackson, who are you taking? First of all, hammer the over. Wake Forest cannot stop anybody, but they can score. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of wrestling with it. I think I'm going to go with Wake Forest specifically for the reason that they're at home and they're really upset about having lost to UNC last week. So I'm going to go with the Demon Deacons to bounce back, score a lot of points, and just barely outlast NC State. Christian? Yeah, I mean, this isn't even a question for me. Um, oh, that's right. This is America's team. I forgot is, about yeah. that. Uh, that was a heartbreaking loss last weekend. I watched, despite the Auburn-Texas A&M going on at the same time, I was trying to keep an eye on Wake Forest, North Carolina, and that was very, very tough to watch. But Wake Forest bounces back. They're going to score a lot of points. NC State's going to score a lot yeah. of points, but Wake Forest is going to score more. I like Sam Hartman a lot. He's been playing really well this year. I think he should probably be in the Heisman talk. I don't think he'll win it, okay. but he should be in the talk. I like Sam Hartman as well, and like you pointed out, Jackson, Wake Forest cannot really stop a whole lot of people, but they can score. Given the fact that this is at home, I'm going to take Wake Forest in a very close one. All right, UCF at SMU. You may be saying, why do you have this on your slate? Well, first of all, Gus Malzahn, and second of all, this is a lot closer of a line than I thought it would be, given the fact that UCF has had some quarterback issues. SMU is only favored by seven at home. This is an 11 a.m. kick. UCF 6-3 still has a lot of things to accomplish so far this season. Jackson, who are you taking? I am ready to regret saying this, but the legend of Gus Malzahn on the elevated platform begins tomorrow. (laughs) SMU is on a skid. They've lost their last two games. Both games they really should not have lost. And although they're favored by seven, I I, I like weird stories like this. And I think that Malzahn finds a way to get the win for the Knights from his elevated platform. <laughs> um, if it's a home game, I might be picking UCF, but we've all seen Gus going to play teams that are better than his teams on the road, and uh, I don't think UCF is going to be able to beat SMU. Plus, you know, they end the season with two rival rivalry games. They still have UConn. They still have USF. You know, they can still get some big wins that will really get UConn UCF. UConn and UCF, those are their rivals? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes very sure about this what but, uh there, there's so, there's some <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a discussion about this there, fair. <laughs> there's some name for the rivalry i'm being like dead serious here there's some name for the rivalry but you know gus can Wait. still get a couple big rivalry wins it's the can, civil conflict isn't it i think it's the civil conflict you see you know this UConn. type of stuff there's a trophy yeah there yeah. is yeah yeah like it's a serious like well, anyway yeah. serious quote unquote but gus loses this one Gets two big rivalry wins, loses the bowl game, and it's an 8-5 and five season that Auburn fans know all too well. I'm going to take SMU to win this one, and for, for the reason that sh- reasons that you uh, listed there, Christian, I can just not tr- I just can't trust Gus Malzahn to go on the road and, and win a game like this where the team, I feel like on the other side, is just a little bit more talented. So uh, give me the Mustangs in this one. Final pick here before we wrap up our number one, Minnesota at number 20, Iowa. Iowa is a four and a half point favorite. Minnesota was uh, was on a roll there for a second, but they just lost to Illinois this past weekend at home, six to 14. The fighting Illini have just been ruining seasons left and right. Uh, will, will Minnesota kind of con- continue to throw Iowa off track in this one, Jackson? I have no idea. I'm going <laughs> to... 
go with Iowa since they're at home. But ugh, I don't feel comfortable about it at all. I'll go with the Hawkeyes because they're ranked in at home and favored by four and a half. That's my only reasoning. Uh, I'm going to go Minnesota simply because I watched a little bit of Iowa and they literally don't have an offense. Oh, they don't. But their offense is PJ Fleck somehow loses games that he has absolutely no business losing. Looking at yes. the six points they scored against Illinois. This yeah. past how weekend. do you do that? I mean, I don't know how Minnesota is going to do it. But I also don't see a world where I could see how Iowa wins this game. So I'm going to pick Minnesota. They get a big uh, turnover for six points. That's how. And the game finishes at 7-0. to zero. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> I will, uh, I'll take Iowa at home, just simply because it's a ranked team at home, like you said, Jackson. And I don't really, I don't really feel comfortable picking either of these teams to, to win a game at any point for the rest of the season. That's going to do it for our number one of On the Line. Our number two coming up, we've got Jacob Hillman, president of the Auburn Jungle, talking about Auburn's game against ULM tonight and Auburn versus Mississippi State tomorrow. Stay tuned. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Our number two of On the Line, Lance Daw, Jackson Love, Christian Clemente here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Cruising along here starting off our number two. We are really excited to be joined by a special guest, Jacob Hillman, president of the Auburn Jungle, friend of the program. Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's game day. It's hard not to be happy today. Absolutely. It's a fantastic weekend for Auburn Athletics. Last night, women's basketball got started. Tonight, Auburn versus ULM. And then Mississippi State and Auburn taking on, or starting rather, on Saturday. Want to start off this conversation here with a little Auburn basketball. Want to get your thoughts on what you saw from the Tigers against Moorhead State and what you expect to see from them against ULM tonight. Yeah, Coach Pearl said it best in his post-game press conference or uh, his radio uh, post-game was this team has played it played the best they played together all off-season uh, throughout the scrimmages throughout the exhibition that was the best we've seen uh, the Tigers play so far and I only expect them to get better because nothing it wasn't perfect you know Zach Jasper he didn't perform up to expectations but Wendell Green Jabari Smith even though he dealt with that those cramps Walker Kessler was a presence on the inside like we expected. Devin Cambridge made shots. Guys coming off the bench, Jalen Williams, Chris Moore, they made uh, their presence felt. Dylan Cardwell, as we knew, he was going to come out and be a spark plug. And really, it was all around positive. Of course, tonight against Louisiana Monroe, a little bit of a weaker opponent. They did not show up against LSU, lost by a, a large amount. So I expect Auburn to really try some things out tonight, see if they can get Zeb Jasper going and, and, and really try to get everyone involved again tonight. What would you say was the was the MVP performance 
of uh, the game against Moorhead State. Was it Wendell Green taking over the game with 19 points? Was it Walker Kessler just being a dominant force inside? Who would you say was the MVP of that game, and should we expect them to go off once more against ULM tonight? Yeah, I I like picking Wendell Green as the MVP of Tuesday night's game just because he really stepped up when Jasper was struggling a little bit. He played good defense as well. That's what I was impressed about. And then, of course, we knew he was going to score, and he did just that. And I expect him to be able to score at a huge margin throughout the season, including tonight. Uh, Tonight could be one of those first nights that he drops a 30-bomb or or even 25 points. So I, I expect to see Wendell Green Jr. perform up to expectations and surpass those expectations throughout this season as well as tonight. Jacob, is there anything that you want to see uh, the team kind of do better tonight than they did Tuesday? Because something that I noticed specifically in the second half of the Moorhead State game was the amount of second-chance attempts that uh, Moorhead State was uh, able able to get. Um, I don't know. Is is there anything that you want to see this team do better? Yeah, the defensive rebounding, there definitely was a little bit of a lack there in the second half, and that is part of where I say start the second half better. Because I thought Moorhead State, you know, Auburn in the first half was just dominated Moorhead State. But then they started to inch back a little bit. They never really got within striking distance. But when you're down, when a team's down 15, an NCAA tournament team, they're never really out of it. So Moorhead right. State, when they're down 15, I didn't feel completely comfortable in Auburn winning that game. But if Auburn starts grabbing defensive rebounds consistently, and especially whenever Jabari Smith went out, that, that's really when the when you started to see that impact and. And I just think that Walker Kessler, Jabari Smith, just them grabbing defensive rebounds is going to be easy. But it's whenever they're on the bench. It's whenever you're going to start to see the lack thereof. And um, and I, I think that they'll improve on that. And I think just think starting the second half better will help them out a little bit. I asked this question to Christian Clemente earlier, and I want to ask you, looking at the small forward position with Alan Flanagan out for at least a few more weeks, how pleased are you with the way that you've seen Auburn kind of kind of patch that hole up in the starting lineup with the rotation between Cambridge and Williams and Moore? Do you expect Auburn to continue to have success with that position based on the rotation that they have, or do they really desperately need Alan Flanagan back before SEC play starts? No, you'll definitely want Flanagan back for SEC play, but... I mean, right now, I think that those three guys, Moore, Cambridge, and Williams, are playing just fine at that three position, especially Cambridge starting the game. I mean, I think we've talked about this over the past several weeks between Williams and Cambridge starting. And, you know, we talked about how Cambridge off the bench has always just been so good, but he started the game and he played really well. Chris Moore and Jalen Williams off the bench. Of course, Williams didn't necessarily play the three a lot because of the Jabari Smith injury, but I still thought he did a great job at really coming in off the bench and, and doing the thing. So that, that's why it's been really fun to watch. That small forward position really uh, light things up, even in the absence of Alan Flanagan. How does one go about becoming the president of the jungle? Because that's a new term <laughs> to me. Yeah, well, it started back in 2013, I believe, uh, when Auburn basketball was not so good. So I believe I remember this season. I think they were 9-23 and 23 at one point, if that's the right correct. year. They, they were not good that season. So, uh, yeah, back back then, a, a group of students, including uh, Jacob Varner, he was the original president of the jungle. I sat, funny, funny enough, even back then, he was still around my freshman year, the year that Auburn basketball made it to the Final Four. So, uh, I got to know him a little bit. But, basically, all it took was no one was the president last year, and I decided I wanted to make sure that 
we had a leadership team ready to go for this year because think about it, we have two freshman classes pretty much. The sophomores that were freshmen last year, they didn't truly experience the jungle. Right. They they had to deal with that lottery system and and a, and a 20% capacity Auburn arena. So we wanted to make sure that we were uh, full 100% on go mode for this season. I want to switch over to football now here real quick, talking about Auburn's game against Mississippi State tomorrow. We've kind of taken a dive into the frustrations with Auburn's offense. Obviously, they've not scored a touchdown in the past six quarters. I mean, what do you chalk it up to? Do you chalk it up to Mike Bobo just not calling uh, efficient plays? Do you chalk it up to miscommunications and just lack of execution, or is it just a mix of everything? Yeah, it seems like it's a little bit of execution in the passing game. I mean, last week the longest the longest play from scrimmage for Auburn was 15 yards uh, past the Luke deal, and that that's not going to cut it against, especially a Texas A and M team. I don't think it's going to. I don't think that'll do uh, well against Mississippi State either. So, whatever they have to do to execute the bigger plays better, because I thought Tank Bigsby ran the ball well. You know, it was tough to give him the ball when Auburn was down the entire time. But I still wish he had gotten the ball a few more times, and I think that will happen against Mississippi State. And obviously, there was a chance at a big play against Texas A and M on that Javarius Johnson deep shot, but mm-hmm. Bo Nix just barely overthrew him. So you have to find a way to either execute on the few chances you get deep down the field, or find more opportunities down the field so that way you can get those explosive plays and put points on the board. Because you know, in reality, it, it's going to be it, it's tough for that offense to to really constantly just drive and march down the field you've got to have big plays at some point to to really open things up well there's a guy in the backfield that I believe should be getting the ball just a little bit more that has the ability to break off some of those explosive plays Tank Bigsby he's not been playing fantastic so far this season but he has been pretty efficient should Tank be getting the ball more than he is right now yeah for sure and I think that you know like you said it hasn't been you know the special year that maybe Auburn fans expected from Tank Bigsby but you said it best. He's been assistant, and he's done his job the right way. Whether that's been in the passing game, you know, or just running the football like he knows how to do, he's done a good job. And I think that there are multiple ways that you can find a way to really get him involved. But we're, we're going to have to see what Mike Bobo draws up for Mississippi State because, you know, obviously you want to say just give him 25 carries. But I think there are creative ways to get him involved, maybe use him as a decoy as well whenever he's had a big drive just before – Something like that. I, I, I just think there's different ways to really get him involved and make him a factor. Defensively, Auburn has been playing pretty well as of late, though. They've not allowed a touchdown through six quarters. What do you expect this defense to look like against Mississippi State? I know it's been it's a, it's a fun topic of conversation, talking about how different styles of defenses handle the air raid. I think that with the way that Auburn likes to play zone defense, they could potentially be giving up some of that underneath stuff. They could potentially be giving up completions, but I don't know if this Mississippi State team is just going to be marching up and down the field. Defensively, what do you expect to see out of the Tigers this weekend, and do you think Auburn can handle business? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because of, like you said, handling that air raid is a lot different offense style of offense than Auburn has really seen this year. So, I want to see the defensive line continue to get pressure on the quarterback. They did a good job against Texas A&M. It probably wasn't, you know, up to what they wanted to do, but it, it, it was good enough in my eyes. And if they continue to do that and maybe even get an extra sack or two, then I think that's going to be the difference against Mississippi State. And I, I really it was impressed by Ladarius Tennyson last week. I don't know if he's going to play as big of a role this week because I think guys are going to get healthier, like Zion Bucket and by Darius Knighton. But I, I, I really like the fact that, 
someone stepped up in the defensive backfield like Tennyson. He was the second leading tackler on the team last week and made a big special teams play. I, I, I love to see that because, you know, when guys go down, you've got to make sure that the guys behind them are ready to go and Tennyson was ready to go. But when it comes to the result this week, yeah, I think that Auburn has a great chance. I think that Auburn will get it done against Mississippi State. And the 11 a.m. kick, that, that does always play a, play a factor in my mind but I don't think it'll be a factor past the first quarter. It might be a, it might be a slugging start for both teams, to be honest, in the first quarter. But I think past that, I think that Auburn will, will be in its groove and, and will play its own game. Only three games left in the regular season for the Tigers. They've got, again, like we've been talking about, Mississippi State this weekend, then South Carolina and Alabama to wrap up the year. The Tigers still have a lot to accomplish this season. They've still got some things that are left on the table that they can go out there and prove that they are a, a legitimate team how how pleased are you with the results that Brian Harson has provided in year one? And are there are there, there are things that you would have done differently? No, I, I have to be pleased. I mean, of course, the Penn State game, you can talk about specific play calls, but that's going to happen with a first-year coaching staff, especially in the third game of the season. On the road in a hostile environment, it is what it is. Georgia's Georgia. Not much can be said about that. And, then, of course, there's the Texas A&M game. I'm looking at the negatives right now and just saying it, it's hard to – really let these negatives get you too far down on this first season under Coach Brian Harsin. You, you really got to look at the positives like the LSU win. You got to look at the Ole Miss game. And then hopefully, going forward, Auburn can do the same thing and, and get a few more positives on the board before the season's over. And hey, if Ole Miss wins tomorrow and Auburn wins tomorrow, Auburn controls its own destiny again. So you, you just never know what can happen in the SEC West. And really, you just got to keep sticking with this Auburn football team. Bo Nix, obviously a polarizing figure amongst Auburn fans. Last week, he he had a relatively subpar performance. But overall, what have you seen from him so far this season, and what do you expect to see out of him on Saturday? Yeah, it's been a little up and down. There's been some games that Georgia State last week that you've been like, this is not how you're supposed to. This is not how you should play, Bo. We've seen you play much better, like in the LSU games or in the Arkansas games. And I really think that it's something that. He's just got to find that consistency, and it's very possible that he does it in these last three weeks. We've seen him have great performances against Mississippi State in recent years, especially at home. That, that 2019 game against Mississippi State was probably his best performance for several for several years. I'm not sure what game topped it, but it was his best performance for a while, and I really think that he can, you know, can do that again. Maybe not have his best performance of his career, but – have a good day against the Mississippi State defense and, and really get back in his groove because you got one more road game and then you've got Alabama. And that road game at South Carolina, yeah, they beat Florida by a lot, but what does that really mean? I don't know if it means much. Of course, it'll be a night game, but I, I trust this Auburn team to really, really be 2-0 and in these next two weeks going into Alabama. Is there a freshman on roster right now for, for Auburn football that you would like to see get some touches or, or get some more playing time over the course of these final three games? Well, that, ooh, probably, is Landon King a freshman? If Landon King's a freshman, he's yes. the yes. guy that I'm looking for. Because, because Jark West Hunter, I think he's getting the right, I think he's got a healthy amount of touches this year. Landon King, I feel like you try to get him the ball, he seems like he has the athleticism and really just, knows how to get open. And if you try to get him the ball, I believe he will get the ball and make something happen. Of course, he's had a few drops this year, but I think that he can really overcome that and have a big last couple of weeks and, and maybe even uh, in the bowl game. That We've seen that every single year, seems like, with Auburn. Get in the bowl game, and then, of course, uh, someone breaks out. Xavier on Capers last year, he could be Landon King this year. 
talking about freshmen here and their impact on the game so far for Auburn this season. Who has been the biggest surprise so far this season for you, both offensively and defensively, or if you just have one guy in mind overall, who's been the biggest surprise for the Tigers so far this year? Yeah, I'll go back to Hunter. I'll say Jarquez Hunter because I expected him to get a few touches in garbage time this year, which that's what it started off as against Alabama State and, uh, and Akron. But then he got an expanded role against Penn State and LSU, and now he's really into that running back rotation, getting carries whenever Tank Bigsby is gassed. And, and really, it kind of seems like he's had a Sean Shires on the depth chart. And I really think that that has been an impressive thing for Jarquez Hunter. He seems to be an extremely hard worker. And he is just so athletic. I mean, it started off with that hurdle against Penn State on that last drive, and it's really just carried over from there where he is consistently starting to play like he's a good running back. Because I expected him to be really good next year. And this year, like I said, just a garbage time back. But here he is making his name known in his freshman year. Final question here to you, and then we'll let you get out of here. Uh, What do you expect the outcome to be on Saturday? Do you think Auburn's going to be able to get it done? Yeah, yeah, give me Auburn by a touchdown. I think this game will be in, in the mid twenties, so like a like a twenty eight to twenty one score, something like that. All right, Jacob. Well, we really appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU, and of course follow uh, the AU Jungle Twitter and Instagram accounts. I'm also the sports director at Weagle. Weagle's covering the uh, Auburn Soccer NCAA tournament game tonight. So tune in to Weagle ninety one point one FM or WeagleFM dot com to listen to coverage of that one tonight. Jacob, again, we really appreciate it, man. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much, Lane. I enjoy being on all the time. That was Jacob Hillman, president of the Auburn Jungle, on the line with us. Really appreciate him coming on. Former intern, friend of the program, just an awesome guy all around, doing some fantastic stuff as president of the Auburn Jungle. Let's take a quick break, and on the other side, we've got Buster Daniel, Lee Scott head coach, to talk about his playoff game tonight. Back on On the Line, Lance Dahl, Jackson Love, Christian Clemente here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Really appreciate President of the Auburn Jungle, Jacob Hillman, taking a moment to stop by and talk about Auburn's game tonight against ULM and then Auburn's game tomorrow against Mississippi State. And this segment right here, we've got a pre-recorded conversation between Noah Gardner and Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel as Lee Scott Academy 8-2 on the season, taking on Tuscaloosa Academy tonight. Lee Scott Academy last week beat Bessemer 21 to 15 to advance in the uh, in the Alabama High School football playoff bracket AISA Triple A Really excited to see what this team has done so far this season. They have really turned it around as opposed to what they were doing last year. Buster Daniel been phenomenal so far coaching up this team. Tate McKelvey, uh, I would argue, has been the MVP. If you listen to our Point Broadband High School Player of the Week and you get to listen to some of these Lee Scott players, I mean, they are just they are um, like um, utility knives. I mean, they can do so many different things. They play so many different positions, and those kids just they play hard, man. So really respect all the respect in the world to Buster Daniel and the Lee Scott Warriors. And let's go ahead and get to that interview between Noah Gardner and uh, Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama for the Friday edition of the show. We've got head coach Buster Daniel of the Lee Scott Warriors here with us on this Friday afternoon. Coach, how you doing today? Man, I am wonderful, Noah. It's a beautiful day outside, game day. Couldn't be any better. 
It's great weather to be making a two and a half, three hour trip across the state to Tuscaloosa for a state semifinal matchup with the Tuscaloosa Academy Knights. Coach, you're a coach that wants to stay in the moment. You've never looked ahead this season. Tell me about this moment right here, right now in the state semifinals. Man, it's an exciting time here for our, for our kids and uh, you know, our program and school and you know just the community around. It's a, it's, a, it's a great place to be. We're fortunate to be here. Uh, we're going to take advantage of every moment. And, uh, man, we just, we're just glad to get this opportunity to play tonight. Of course, last week you told me that it was your best week of practice over the whole season. What's this week of practice been like in the lead-up to this major playoff game? Oh, it's great. You know, uh, we had a couple of kids admit last week that they took uh, took Bessemer a little bit lightly, and uh, you know, it almost it almost cost them. Uh, so they got their focus, you know, back in check this week. And uh, again, we've had four days of really good practice, and uh, the focus is better. And then, uh, you know, the attitudes, and it, it was just is a good good week of practice. Of course, you mentioned the Bessemer game, a twenty-one to fifteen victory in the first round of the playoffs. Take me through some of your takeaways from seeing your team at postseason action. Well, I thought the kids did a good job. You know, the, had some adversity, and uh, you know, they, like I said, they 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 admitted they took the teams a little lightly, which you can't do. Um, you know, every every coach talks about it's hard to beat a good football team twice in one year, and that showed its head again last week. Um, you know, the Bessemer is a good football team. They're not the Bessemer of old, but it's still a good football team. It can beat you if you don't play well. And uh, you know, our guys uh, you know, got hit in the mouth a couple of times, but they never. Never wavered, you know. They, they they never backed down. They fought through adversity and uh, ended up winning the football game, which which is uh, what they deserve because of the work they put in. It's been a little while since Lee Scott has found themselves in the semifinals. It's been since 2016. It's been even longer since they found themselves in the state championship. I know oftentimes this year you and I have talked about this team earning respect from other squads around the state. And you got to imagine that respect has been earned at least to a degree, but I'm sure you guys still have a chip on your shoulder going into this ballgame. Oh, absolutely. You know, they, they've earned some respect. It's, it's still not where it needs to be, you know, because, you know, uh, let, let's just be honest. We're still in the state, in the AISA, don't have a chance to win this game tonight. And our guys have got, got to go out and prove people wrong, you know. they got to continue doing what they're doing. And, you know, maybe you know, we win this week and uh, get in the championship game. Maybe they'll have the – the, the credit they deserve and the respect they deserve and, and get the true honor that they deserve. But, uh, you know, we've got to go do our job tonight. Uh, we got to play a really good football game to be able to win. Uh, but I think our guys are ready and they're prepared to do that job. Looking on film, and there's some common opponents now between you and Tuscaloosa Academy. They've played Morgan Academy. Y'all played Morgan Academy. They played Valiant Cross last week. Of course, Valiant Cross, a region opponent for you guys. When you've been able to look at film and see some of the common opponents, does that help you glean anything from being able to see them play some of the same teams that you guys have played? Well, you know, not necessarily seeing some of the same teams, but, you know, it just tells us that we're, we're on the same playing field. You know, that, that they beat the same opponents we have. Uh, I think they lost to Pike as we did. Um, and there's a lot of people doing that. But, you know, uh, just watching them on film and, and, and pick, trying to pick up some of the things that they do helps us more than, than playing common opponents. Um, you know, do a lot of film study. And, uh, you know, I see, I see right on film that their quarterback, number one, is a dynamic player. We've got to keep him in the, in the pocket and not let him get out and then start scrambling and, uh, you know, he's got a couple of good receivers to throw to, number six, number 11. Uh, they're really good players. Uh, we've got to keep those guys contained. But, you know, just watching film, that gives you an idea of who you have to stop and how you have to play to win the game. And they beat Valiant last week 31-12. to What did you see on film from Tuscaloosa and their victory in the first round? 
Well, I, again, I, I saw a really good football team. You know, Valiant is a talented, talented team, uh, and to beat them the way Tuscaloosa did, you know, it just shows that they're really good. Uh, we've got to go play an almost perfect game tonight to be able to win. And, uh, you know, but that's what we, we our plan is. We don't plan to fail. We don't plan to play bad. You know, uh, we, we're gonna, if we play our best game and they beat us, I'll tip my hat to them and uh, say great job. Seems like a lot of exciting things going on at the school today, at least from the post I've seen on social media. What's the day look like for you guys as y'all get ready to set out for Tuscaloosa? Well, we're, you know, our administration has been great to us, man. We, they, they're letting our kids out at 10.55 this morning. Uh, we'll pack, the, pack our bags and get everything, all of our equipment together, load the bus, and uh, have our meetings before anything, before we leave. And then uh, they've got a warrior walk planned at 1245. You know, all the whole school will line up, and we'll walk through with cheers and pom-poms and all that good stuff. And, uh, and then we'll load the bus, and you know, we'll drive to Birmingham and eat at Lloyd's. And, uh, you know, a really great place to eat up there if you have a chance. You need to go. But uh, it's a great day for, for our kids and uh, the celebration they deserve. And uh, I, I give a lot of credit to our administration and the way they treat us this week. And, Coach, I want to give you another second here to talk about the school and how great it is to be there. I know you're having the time of your life coaching there at Lee Scott, and I know also these players are having a great time. Kind of tell everybody what's so great about being at Lee Scott Academy and what's so great about playing at those athletic programs there at the school. Well, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's with the people that you work with, work for. It's a, it's a great, great little school. Um, everybody cares about everybody. You know, it's, uh, we've got great kids here that do exactly what you tell them to do. Um, you know, may not be the best athletes in the world, but they're going to do exactly what you tell them, and that's what you need more than anything. They love each other. They play hard for each other. They play hard for the coaches. Uh, you know, you, you got all the support in the world. I just mentioned it a while ago about our administration, what they're doing for us, how they're treating us, and, you know, giving us a send-off. And, man, it's just it's just a great place to be, and I'm having the time of my life right now. You know, I had a, had a lot of good times at Opelika and Valley, but I'm telling you, this is just as good. And, uh, man, I'm just I'm enjoying it. Every day, every day I come to work is a, is a new thing, and it's great here. And uh, it's just a joy to work with the coaches I have. And, uh, man, it's just, it's just having a lot of fun right now. And, Coach, I'm sure also you talk about the mission of the school, and we had Dr. Stan Cox on with us, the headmaster of the school, at halftime last week. And he was talking about the mission of the school to provide a Christian atmosphere for the students and for the student-athletes. And how have you seen that impact your team throughout this year? Oh yeah, like I said, it's it's uh, these guys are learning much more than just football. You know, they they're learning the the Christian values, like you said, and you know we're we're trying to teach them how to be young men. They're getting taught that at home, uh, but we're just trying to build on that part too, and just you know just just pour into them other than just football, and you know let them know that we're here for them and, and whatever they may need to talk about or anything like that. But it's just a it's a great place to be here, and uh, hey, and it's you know they're taking care of the kids the way they should be. Coach, before we let you get out of here, what are the keys to tonight against Tuscaloosa Academy? Well, I talk about it a lot, but we got to we got to eliminate the silly penalties, and what that means is, you know, before the ball snap, any penalties offside, uh, motion penalties, anything like that, or, or late hit penalties when we get a personal foul, anything like that, celebration, we got to eliminate those penalties because that hurts you in the end. Uh, you know, you, if you get the ball and it's third and three, and all of a sudden you jump offside, it's third and eight. That hurts. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um. Those things, we got to control the football. You know, if we can keep the ball away from uh, their quarterback and eliminate him, his opportunities to run the football, uh, we're going to be better off. But, you know, just and, and the biggest thing is our defense keep playing the way they're playing. You know, they're playing lights out every week. You know, they give up a few plays, but they also, you know, they bow the neck and don't let the guys in the end zone. They're playing extremely hard. They're playing together. They're communicating. 
And yeah, that's what it takes this time of year. Everybody in the playoffs are good. So we've got to play a great game tonight. And, you know, I, I got a lot of confidence in our kids, and we're going to do that. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Good luck tonight. Thank you, Noah, and uh, go Warriors. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Lance Daw, Jackson Love, Christian Clemente here hanging out in the studio. About 30 minutes left in the Friday edition of On the Line. Before we get to some of our picks, Christian, tell everybody where they can find all of your great content and what they can expect from you and AuburnSports.com over the course of the weekend. Yeah, so I'll have some different recruiting updates and stuff like that, like you just said, over at AuburnSports.com, and then I'll be uh, covering the game tomorrow on Twitter at CClemente underscore. It is really entertaining to watch the collective beat just kind of play by play the game because there are memes, there are jokes, and apparently they're like there's some gummies or something now in the press box, and I saw some like some uh, some some beat writers talking about that that last weekend. Really entertaining stuff. Make sure you follow Christian on Twitter. It is it is a really entertaining timeline. Uh, throughout game day, let's go ahead and get back to Saturday selections. We've got some really fun picks here to make. Saturday selections. All right, let's get back at it. Number six, Michigan at Penn State. Penn State that beat Auburn and lost to Illinois just a couple weeks ago in nine overtimes. Michigan is a one and a half point favorite on the road. This is a much closer line than I would have anticipated. Sting, what do you got? Well, that line being so low makes me kind of nervous. Makes me think that Vegas knows something. Ah. Uh, I go with Michigan on the road anyway. It's not a night game in Death Valley. Not Death Valley, uh, Happy Valley. It's 11 a.m. Yeah, it's a morning game. It's, so. a, it's a groggy morning in I will go Meth Valley. <laughs> Meth Valley? Wow. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> uh, I will go with uh, Michigan in a nail-biter. All right, Christian? I'm going Penn State. Um, I think Michigan is a little bit overrated this year. Um, I know Penn State has had some struggles recently, but I would attribute part of that to Sean Clifford being banged up, which... I gave him a decent amount of flack going into the Auburn game because I didn't think he's that good, but he's been pretty solid, I guess I would say. This is year. he healthy? now? that's what's important. I think yeah. he is. I think he's been getting better. Um, so I'm going to go with Penn State at home to beat Michigan. I think they'll win by a touchdown. You say Michigan is overrated, but they're they're still better than Michigan State according to the playoff committee, despite <laughs> the fact that Michigan State beat them. So yeah, overrated, you say? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm not on the playoff committee, unfortunately. That yeah. would be a cool job to You have, should though. be. I think you'd be much better at it than them. <laughs> I agree. Put Christian Clemente on the playoff committee. I'd love to see it. Yeah, looking at Michigan's schedule, I mean, they've not really had a tough road game this season outside of maybe that Michigan State game, and they lost it. And I know people will say Nebraska. Nebraska's not a tough football team. I know they've been close, but they've not been able to win games so far this season. So you're looking at this Penn State game as a legitimate road environment and you I don't think that you can necessarily say that the 11 a.m. kick's going to kind of tame that down because I believe the Michigan State game was an 11 a.m. kick right 
I might be wrong. Yes. Yeah, but it was, Most yeah. of those Big Ten games by this time of year are, are morning kicks. So I think Penn State fans are going to be awake and ready for this one. I'm going to take Penn State to win at home. If Sean Clifford's healthy, I'm going to take Penn State in the upset. Like you said, I think Michigan is just a little bit overrated. And also, i got to dis- disagree with Jackson at some point to try and uh, get, get yeah, back I'm, to Yeah, I'm, I'm still winning, right? What's the gap right now? I believe it's three games. I've not tallied it in a while, but okay. I'm going to well, need to. Well, I Gus Malzahn on the elevated platform earlier, so <laughs> I'm probably already down at least one game. So, there you go. We'll just have to see what happens. All right, next game here, number 8, Oklahoma at number 13, Baylor. Oklahoma is a a 5.5-point road favorite, 11 a.m. kick. Sooners undefeated. Do they fall in Waco? No, I got to go with the Sooners. Baylor has done really well this season. I've been very pleased to see them get back on track, and I think they have a very very good coach in Dave Aranda there, but I can't in good conscience pick them to uh, beat Oklahoma I just think Oklahoma has too much talent Baylor doesn't have the horses to keep up so it does go late into the fourth quarter but Oklahoma wins Christian yeah this one scares me a little bit this one just feels like it has upset written all over it but with that said I'm still going to take Oklahoma Um, they haven't been all that impressive this year but talent will supreme and they're going to take down Baylor I think that this Oklahoma team it's been a little weird this season, obviously, with the quarterback issues and just not. They're, they're, they play down to their competition every now and then. But I am going to take Oklahoma on the road. We've seen this Oklahoma team go up against average to good Baylor teams in the past, both in the regular season and in the Big 12 championship game, and just simply get it done. I think they do it again this weekend. And there's not much else I have to say about it other than it, there there is potential for an upset. But I just think, like you mentioned, Christian, I think Talon wins out in this one. All right, Miami at Florida State. Miami looking for bowl eligibility, currently 5-4. and four. Florida State trying to uh, trying to uh, get away from potentially losing their bowl eligibility, currently sitting at 3-6, and six. one more loss, and they could potentially be uh, out of that possibility. Miami, 2.5-point road favorite in this game, 2.30 p.m. kick, ESPN. Do the, uh, do the Hurricanes keep it rolling? Well, you know, if you told me about a month ago that in the middle of November, Miami would be on the brink of bowl eligibility. I would have laughed at you, laughed at you because they were 2-4, and four, I believe. It just suffered an embarrassing loss to Virginia. But they really bounced back. I'm very surprised. You know, they've taken down some teams that, in my opinion, they had no business beating Pitt, NC State, beat both of them. So I think they're on a roll. I think, I think those Miami players really believe in what they're doing right now. I think Tyler Van Dyke has been a revelation for the quarterback position, and Florida State's just not looking good so give me Miami yeah I don't quite understand how the line is so close on this one Mm -hmm. Um, I mean I'm going Miami I think they'll be able to handle business pretty easily I mean Florida State has looked a little bit better over the past couple weeks of the season after they just started so horrendously but I'm still going to go Miami they're playing pretty solid right now I want to point out that if Miami does end up winning out, they beat Florida State, they beat Virginia Tech, and they beat Duke, they would finish the year 6-2 and two in conference play with tiebreakers over NC State and Pittsburgh because, as you mentioned, Jackson, they beat both those teams just a couple weeks ago. They're not out of the, the race in the ACC Coastal. I think they are going to focus in on this game, and I know it's a rivalry game. I think they're going to try and put their best product out on the field. And like you mentioned, Tyler Van Dyke, has been doing some fantastic things for the Canes so far. Uh, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions, I believe, and he's not even played the entire season. So props to Miami for figuring out something on the offensive side of the ball. I know they've had uh, quarterback issues uh, over the past few seasons. Yeah, I'm going to take the Hurricanes to win this one on the road. And like you mentioned, Christian, while Florida State has been playing a little bit better than they were at the beginning of the season, 
that's just not a very good football team overall. Yeah. So I think the, the the Knolls fall to three and seven in this one. All right, number nineteen Purdue at number four Ohio State. I bet Ohio State fans and players are shaking in their boots right now, knowing <laughs> that they have to play Purdue. If this was an unranked Purdue team, I'd be even more scared. But they are ranked going on the road to Columbus. Sting, what do you think? So I heard a couple of days ago on the radio that Purdue has the most wins over AP top five teams of any program in the country. They, I believe it said they have 17 in the history of their program wins over top five teams. That's six more than the next team. I'm not sure who the second team is. I haven't been able to find a list that spelled that out. I'm going to keep working on that. But having said all that, this game is in Columbus. If it was at Purdue, I would probably roll with the spoiler makers, but lightning does not strike three times. Ohio State wins. Spoiler makers. I like that. I I haven't really heard that before. Um, Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Um, you know, against Michigan State, it's like, no way they can do this again, right? Like, they can't pull you this out think. twice, and then they did it. And now this week, it's like, well, there's absolutely no way they can do this again. So, if they do, is Purdue a top 10 team next week? That's <laughs> seven and three. I mean, three top five wins? They probably deserve to be. Because it would be like right Auburn beating the number one team twice uh, in three weeks. They jumped from right outside the top 10 to number two. Yeah. They would yeah. probably deserve to be around that. 8 to 12 area yeah. but with that said I'm still going to go Ohio State and be very concerned that Purdue is going to pull this off again I'm going to pick Ohio State in this one like you said Jackson I don't think lightning strikes three times in this game and also who needs this win more than Notre Dame because the Boilermakers lost on the road against the Fighting Irish earlier this season Notre Dame is not completely out of the CFP race if they went out and you've got a win on your resume against a really good Purdue squad which is weird to say, but it's been a weird year in college football. Hey, CFP committee could potentially be looking at them, and I would hate every single second of that. I'm going to take the Buckeyes to win at home in this game. I I just don't like the talent that Purdue presents. I know that they they were able to beat Michigan State and Iowa, but look, those two teams are not as talented as Ohio State. And specifically in the trenches, I think you see Ohio State win this one. Do they cover that 21-point line right now? I don't know, but give me Ohio State, and I think they win comfortably. UAB at Marshall, both teams 6-3. and three. Marshall favored by 4.5 points at home. I put this in here simply because I think it's an interesting game in the CUSA race, and also some people may have some interest in uh, UAB considering it is uh, just, yeah, just out. I like the local game. Yeah, just right here outside Auburn in Birmingham. Jackson, does UAB get it done on the road? No. I was looking at the stats for this game, and Marshall holds a pretty significant advantage in just about every category that I saw. So I think that the herd win this, and they're at home too. So that just solidifies my uh, my picks. I'm gonna go with Marshall. Yeah. Um, when you told me we were picking this game, I was like, okay, I don't know about either of these teams in the absolute <laughs> slightest. So I went and looked very quickly at ESPN and their stats. What does concern me is Marshall's quarterback has 11 touchdowns and 11 picks this year. Grant Wells. Um, so yeah, that's not fantastic. But I think it was their running back had 17 touchdowns. So I'll go with Marshall. They seem to be a pretty solid team that scores the ball quite a bit. Their defense seems pretty solid, so I'll go with Marshall. Yeah, these two schools have really solid running backs and just kind of average quarterbacks. Uh, Rasheen Ali, the uh, the uh, Marshall uh, running back, has 17 touchdowns this season. Uh, Dwayne McBride for UAB has eight. 
and 834 yards rushing. Yeah, I'm going to take Marshall at home in this game. Grant Wells, I mean, he played fantastic in his freshman season, 18 touchdowns, nine picks, but this year has just not been it. Been a little bit of a sophomore slump, but still I think the ground game uh, propels, you, or propels Marshall rather uh, to a win at home, even though I will be pulling for the Blazers in this matchup. All right, interesting game here. Number one, Georgia at Tennessee. I believe Georgia is a 20.5 point favorite. This game... I think will be interesting. I think it's going to be an interesting game. That's all I'll say. Jackson, what do you think? Well, there's a part of me out there that hopes maybe uh, there's some sort of higher power that took away Tennessee's win over Ole Miss and instead stuck that win over top-ranked Georgia and kneeling a couple weeks later. That would make for a pretty great story, but I don't see it happening. I can see Tennessee covering. It's a pretty large spread, but I got to go with Georgia. Until somebody beats them, I'm going to pick them. Yeah, I could see Tennessee covering. This seems like the only regular season game left that could potentially get Georgia knocked off. I mean, they're not losing to Georgia Tech, and they play a terrible team next week. I don't even remember who it is. I was looking at their schedule earlier. But I think Tennessee has the chance to make this one interesting, and I think maybe it will be interesting for like a half, but Georgia's just way too dominant on defense, and their offense gets it done when it needs to. So I'll pick Georgia, but I'll give – I'll let Tennessee cover. I'll pick Tennessee to cover. I think the most Georgia wins this game by 17 points. I think they cover, and I think it could be a little bit closer than that. I think we're thinking – right now I'm thinking like a 13-point win for Georgia. I think this game is going to be really close for the majority of it. I think Tennessee may even lead at half. I think they're definitely going to score two touchdowns, something that Georgia I don't think has let up this season. I think this Tennessee offense can do it, but at the end of the day, the issue for me is the talent gap. And then also, Tennessee's defense was out there against Kentucky for 99 plays last weekend. You're going up against a Georgia team that is more physical, more talented, and is going to try and control the second half by running the ball and just simply being more dominant. And I think that's going to happen. But Tennessee, I think they get out to a, uh, a quick start, and it slowly dwindles away, and then it's like a 13-point win for Georgia. And I think we see some cracks in that Bulldogs team tomorrow, but Georgia does end up winning. Iowa State at Texas Tech. This one I added simply because I feel like every single time I pick an Iowa State game, I end up being wrong. Dude, me too. So I'm getting tired of it. Iowa State favored by 10.5 on the road against a 5-4 Texas Tech team. Iowa State 6-3. Jackson, who are you picking? Well, Texas Tech's in a bit of a death spiral right now, having fired Matt Wells, which, as I continue to hear people talk about it, continues to confuse me. But that's neither here nor there. I will go with Iowa State, but I fully expect to be completely wrong because they Iowa State seems to do the opposite of what I think they're going to do, and they've done that every single week this season. I fully expect the Red Raiders to somehow win, but I'm going to pick Iowa State. See, I feel the same way about Iowa State. They're a really tough team to pick because it usually always feels like it's going to be a close game. This one doesn't feel like it's going to be a close game. They just blew out Texas last week. Texas Tech got just slaughtered by Oklahoma. Did you guys see that graphic for Iowa State and Texas, like the difference in five-star recruits between the two over the last five or six years and then wins? I think think Iowa State had a better record, but it has like one five-star recruit in whatever this time frame was, and Texas had 30. Oof, that is tough. Oof. But yeah, uh, I'll go Iowa State over Texas Tech. I don't think it will necessarily be that close either. Yeah, I think Iowa State's going to win this game, and a lot of it does come back to the fact that Texas Tech is kind of spiraling out of control right now with the loss of their head coach. And I think Iowa State's simply a more disciplined team. I think they're going to get it done on the road. Before we head to break here, 
I want to point out something that you were talking about earlier, Sting. Most wins versus top five teams as an unranked team. I found so, who's who's in second, but I was trying to find the whole list. So Purdue has 17. Illinois has 11. So does USC. USC does as well. Michigan State with 10. And oh, UCLA you found the list. with 9. Yes, it was. Uh, I think it was a graphic. That Auburn's Fox not in out. that top five? Because uh, I can name at least five <laughs> top five wins just in my lifetime, at least. Auburn's, probably more. Auburn's got to be close. If they're not tied for that fifth spot, then they're very close. At least I, I would. I me that list I will if you can or if you can find the whole thing i guess if you found the whole thing good have already it was just the five yeah. it was a graphic that fox put out but i can certainly look for it all right let's go ahead and head to the break and on the other side we wrap up the friday edition of on the line with some more picks wrapping up the friday edition of on the line lance daw jackson love christian clemente here with you on espn 106.7 and fox sports central alabama been a pretty good show so far. If you missed any of it, you can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. If you would be willing to leave us a review, subscribe, we would really appreciate it. All right, we've got some picks here that we've got to breeze through, so let's go ahead and get to it. Saturday selections. All right, I want to start this segment actually just to make sure that we get to it with Mississippi State at number seventeen, Auburn. Auburn is a five-and-a-half-point favorite, 11 a.m. kick. Christian, I want to get your thoughts first. What is your score prediction for the Tigers on Saturday? Okay, so I'm either seeing a double-digit win or a double-digit loss. What? I don't, know, I don't know which one's happening yet because I could see a situation where the offense just remains stagnant and things aren't going well. Is this a 28 Tennessee type of game? Uh, 2018, I'm sorry? It could be. So... I'm not sure what's going to happen. I picked Auburn to win 31-20 to 20 because okay. it's at home. I think they'll, assuming Derek Mason doesn't rush three the whole game, um, I think they'll be able to get some pressure on Will Rogers, uh, make a little bit of an impact. I've actually heard that Drayshawn Miller is supposed to be on the field a little bit. They liked what they've seen out of him in practice, and they're going to try and utilize him with the air raid and try and get him involved a little bit more. So I think the defense will be able to hold up against the air raid, and I think the offense will... I'm guessing the offense will come back alive. I'm not entirely sold on that happening, though. Jackson? Uh, I don't think it's going to be double digits. I do think Auburn's going to win, but I think it's going to be about 60 minutes of sweat, increased heart rates, stress. <laughs> but Auburn does win. I'm going to say maybe 24 to 20. This game's going to take a couple years off your life, is yes, what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so here's how I think the game is going to play out, and I'll come back on Monday and just say how horribly wrong I was. So I think this game is going to be a little sloppy for maybe two and a half, three quarters. I think we're going into the fourth quarter tied, and I think Auburn is going to have two scores in the fourth quarter to kind of put this one out of reach and make it seem a lot more like a lot more dominant of a win than what it actually was. 37 to 23 is my final score prediction. I think we see some type of really big uh, turnover or special teams play in this one. Mississippi State is 9 of 17 on field goals so far this season. Could we see Auburn block something? Could we see them get a huge return, an interception, something like that? An 11 a.m. kick at Jordan-Hare Stadium would not put it out of the realm of possibility. So, yeah, give me Auburn to win. But the final score I don't think is going to indicate how close the game was. All right, let's get to this uh, other Warp SEC. speed. Let's do this. Warp speed. South Carolina at Missouri. Both teams well, – Missouri's 4-5. and five. South Carolina looking for bowl eligibility at 5-4. and four. Sting, who you got? South Carolina is going to be bowl eligible after this game. Go Gamecocks. All right. 
Uh, yeah, I think both these teams are not very good. Uh, Mizzou has consistently let me down this year, so I'm going South Carolina. I'm going Missouri in this one. I like Tyler Media, and I like uh, what Missouri is able to do on offense. I think that South Carolina had a flute game against Florida, and I think we're going to see them return to not scoring points uh, in this one. Number 11, Texas A&M at number 15, Ole Miss. Wrestled with this one for a while, but I'm going to go with A&M because I think since that Alabama game, they have been a completely different team. I would have, I was just about to uh, pronounce them dead after losing to Mississippi State, but they have turned it around. I think they continue their their run and win again. Uh, I'm going Ole Miss. Uh, I still believe that Ole Miss is a really good team, and despite what happened last weekend, I'm still not 100% sold on Texas A&M, so I'm going to go with Ole Miss at home. I've got Ole Miss at home as well. Number nine, Notre Dame at Virginia. Notre Dame. But close. I'm going Virginia. I don't think Notre Dame is all that good, and Virginia has shown that they can win some big games from time to time. Virginia. Virginia for me. All right. Number 25, Arkansas at LSU. If I say LSU, will you guys pick Arkansas? I don't know. We'll have to find out. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to go with Arkansas because I think Arkansas has a really good run game, and they're just going to run over LSU like most of the teams that have beaten LSU this year have done, except for Alabama, of course, with six rushing yards. Arkansas. I'm going to go Arkansas as well. Arkansas as well for me. All right, really, really quick. Nevada at San Diego State. Give me Nevada. Yeah, I'm going there as well. I'm picking the best player in Carson Strong. I'm going to pick Nevada as well. I'm going to pick Nevada as well. All right, we disagreed on a ton this week. We did. It's going to be interesting. This is going to be bad for me. All right, that's going to do it for the (laughs) Friday edition of On the Line. Christian, really appreciate you stopping by, talking a little Auburn football and basketball, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. We will see you guys tomorrow, or see you on Monday, rather, to recap Auburn's potential win over ULM and Mississippi State. We'll see you all then.